Hello and welcome to Foundation Stones from Refuge City Church. Having a solid foundation for our walk with Jesus Christ is vital for every Christian, especially in the times we live in. Through God's word, candid conversations, and everyday application, the aim is to help you build your foundation so you can stand strong for God every day. Buckle in and prepare your heart. Pray this, God, ready my heart for your truth that I might be more like you. We hope today's episode empowers you to grow in your walk with Jesus. Let's dive in. You know, you'd think if you heard all the things that are being said right now that the train of life is falling off the tracks and everything is doom and gloom. And I am grieved by that thought. I think that you and I have been given the greatest moment in all of history to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet, if we're not careful, we're going to lay down the most important message and the most important mandate from God on the altar of fear and judgment and disappointment when God's message and his mandate for our calling has never changed. Hi, I'm Jim Weaver. I am the host of Foundation Stones. I'm the worship and the administrative pastor at Refuge City Church. And today we are going to have another episode of Foundation Stones on the topic of mercy. This is a teaching that I have entitled Mercy's Voice. Did you know that mercy has a voice? Did you know that mercy is something that comes straight from the throne room of God? And there is a reason why it is described in scripture in such a powerful way. But you know, mercy also has some enemies and mercy is also many times misunderstood as permission. And that's not what it is at all. Let's dive into this and find out truly what God's word says about mercy and its voice. And I want to start in an interesting place. This is Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 12 for just a few verses here. And stick with me as we open this up, because I think that you'll begin to understand why I chose this scripture in just a moment. Matthew 4, verse 12, it says, Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent is the Greek word montanoio, and it means to change one's mind. It means to change one's mind for better, heartily to amend with abhorrence of one's past sins. Basically, it's an acknowledgement that what I've done in the past is wrong, and what I want to do into the future is align with what is right. My heart has convicted me of sin. So that is the Greek word repent, montanoio, to change one's mind. And so Jesus said here in verse 17, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The word at hand is an interesting Greek word. It's the Greek word engizo. And engizo means to draw or come near to, or to approach. The kingdom of heaven is near, or it is coming, it is approaching. And so my loose translation of this verse could be something like this. Change your mind and amend your ways, for God's kingdom is approaching and is already here. And so how many of us are aware that there is a tension in the Gospels? There's this real tension point, and for that matter, there's a tension in the church, in the people of God. 
And it's this. Let me describe it to you. Is God a just judge or is he full of mercy and long suffering? Is God to be feared or is he to be held close as a friend? Is God mean-hearted and dictatorial or is he tender and compassionate? You see, we have those who despise the thought of a God who is a judge and we have those who love the thought that God is a judge. This is the tension. Have you seen it? We have those who love the thought that God is merciful and we have those who think it is too soft to discuss a God who is merciful. We have those who want people to turn to God as a result of fear and we have those who say the thought of fear turning the heart is abhorrent and impossible. We have those who say that the law is archaic and unnecessary and then we have those who hold to its letter legalistically. We have those who say that all people need to hear about is love and grace and hope. And then we have those who say the only way to effect real change is to dangle people over the flames of judgment to scare them into repentance. So let me ask you a question today. Which is it? And which side of the tension do you find yourself on? How are we to view God? How are we to understand the gospel? How are we to reach people who have no relationship with God at all? if we don't reconcile the truth of God's character in ourselves. Can I ask you a question? Is it possible that God is both just and merciful? Is it possible God is both authoritative and long-suffering? Is it possible that God's grace is in his forgiveness of sin and in his standard of righteousness? I like this story that Luis Palau once told. He says, A mother once approached Napoleon seeking a pardon for her son. The emperor replied that the young man had committed a certain offense twice and justice demanded death. But I don't ask for justice, the mother explained. I plead for mercy. But your son does not deserve mercy, Napoleon replied. Sir, the woman cried, it would not be mercy if he deserved it. And mercy is all I ask for. Well then, the emperor said, I will have mercy. And he spared the woman's son. And so today on Foundation Stones, I want to discuss this topic for a few minutes in a message that I've entitled, Mercy's Voice. So I opened up this podcast today with a story from Matthew chapter 14 about the prophetic message that Jesus began to carry in a very specific location, Naphtali and Zebulun. Very interesting thing that it says there because you have to understand where in Israel this is. This is actually in the land of Galilee, which is about 70 miles north of Jerusalem. And this is where Jesus carried out much of his earthly ministry. And there's a really interesting reason why. Sometimes we just brush past this, but there's a reason why Jesus went to this area. You see, in years past, many centuries before, the Babylonians had come and overthrew Israel and took many people captive. And they took them for 70 years. They isolated them in detention. They took them away from the promised land. But what happened was that Babylon actually repopulated the promised land that they took the Israelites out of with their own people. And they dominated this area with a brand new philosophy of living and false religion and heathenism. It it actually, this area of Galilee became known as a land of heathens. 
It's when the Hebrews returned to their land and found that the previous inhabitants had stayed that they began to mix their Babylonian belief systems with their Hebraic customs and came up with some form, some conglomeration of mixed-up religion. And so the Jewish people, who were 70 miles to the south in Jerusalem, they began to consider the Galilee a land of darkness. And it was into this land of darkness that God's holy word declared that his Messiah would be planted. You see, Jesus wasn't raised in Nazareth for no reason. Nazareth is just outside of the Galilee. He didn't take up residence in Capernaum and make that his headquarters for no reason. He didn't go through these areas just by happens chance. He was placed there by God because this was considered the darkest part of the promised land. Look what it says again in Matthew 4, 15 and 16 as it's describing this messianic prophecy from the Old Testament. It says, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. You see, we're living in a time where the darkness around us is causing the church to do more fearing and worrying than shining. We're doing much like what Jerusalem did to Galilee. We look at Galilee and we say, oh, it's dark. It's pagan. It's heathen. It's mixed up. And certainly it is. But you know what the travesty was, was that there was no bridge of mercy that was built to the land of Galilee. I like what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. It says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So why do I say that? Because many times when we see dark places, when we see people who are contrary to God and contrary to the good news gospel of Jesus Christ, we actually isolate ourselves against them. And we think that we're inoculating ourselves against the darkness, but in fact what it is is it's fear of the darkness. So let me read that again, and then I'll continue reading for context so that you can see what I am referring to. It says in verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our God, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So instead of fearing the dark, instead of avoiding the dark, instead of lamenting the dark, God is actually calling us to not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ and to not operate in a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So Paul continues in verse 10, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. The Gentiles are the ones Paul's describing here that are in the darkness, much like the Galileans of Zebulun and Naphtali. Verse 12 says, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. You see, I firmly believe that we must consider the voice of our Savior in these dark times. 
the Savior who, having grown up in the midst of a dark region named Galilee, he was baptized and recognized as God's only begotten Son and sealed with the descent of the Holy Spirit upon his life. He began his earthly ministry with these words. In verse 17 of Matthew 4, after this prophetic voice that says that the Messiah would be placed in the darkness of Naphtali and Zebulun in the land of Galilee, in the darkness, from that time, it says, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, this is the gospel. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heaven is moving in, and you need to repent so that you can receive it. So the Greek definition of the word gospel is eugelion, and it means good tidings or good news. And the key word here is the word good. (laughs) And sometimes when we present the gospel, the good news, we're so entrenched with trying to declare God's judgment that we forgot that the message is good. It's actually in the Greek definition of the word. It is good news. It's great tidings. It's in fact what the angels declared to the shepherds when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. I bring you good tidings of great news that will be for all the people. You see, Jesus never wavered in his message or his mode of operation. And so these are just verses in Matthew. This is verse 23 of Matthew 4. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Look what it says in Matthew 9. Again, same thing, same M.O., Matthew 9.35, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Matthew 11.5, this is Jesus' testimony to John the Baptist's question of whether he was the Messiah or not. This is what Jesus declared was happening to declare that he was the Messiah. The blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel, which is the good news. Preached to them. Matthew 24 14, it says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. What is the gospel of the kingdom? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is near, it is approaching. Repent, I'm giving you a second chance. What is that? That's mercy's voice. <laughs> That's the mercy of God. The gospel, the Greek definition means good news. In other words, this is the message that Jesus said will be preached until the end. And so my question to us is this, are we still personally, individually preaching this message or are we preaching a message of fear and of worry and of doom? And I'm not talking just to the church right now. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. Am I preaching the same good news that Jesus did? as I live my life every day? Or am I lamenting bad news and trying to get people to convert to God by declaring all the bad things in the world? We may think we're being overshadowed by negative media, but I have a sense that we're actually being overshadowed not only because of bad news' volume, but because good news is remaining silent. So let's look at this verse in a little closer detail together. Matthew 4, 17. Again, it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
Can I present to you today that repentance is God's call to a second chance? Repentance is God's invitation to his mercy. You see, this call shines like a lighthouse on a stormy night. Sometimes we hear the word repent and we hear doom, but when Jesus said repent, it was a lighthouse inviting people to God's mercy for them to receive something they didn't deserve from the heart of a father who was generous and full of grace. That is when it's needed most, is when the ship is being dashed on the rocks of the world and it's dark and there's no navigation and the good news of repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is given from the mountaintops, the light shines, and the ship knows how to get into the safe harbor. You see, repentance is for this amazing age of grace that we live in, this time right now between when Jesus rose from the dead and when he returns, this moment where we still have the opportunity to repent and come to know him as our Lord and Savior, and we don't want to taint the good news by only lamenting the bad news. We need the good news. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is approaching because it anticipates and it warns of the final judgment, but... It grants mercy in advance of it. Is that included in your message of the gospel? Or is it only judgment? Or is it a squishy grace that doesn't have accountability? No, we want accountability, but we want it through the lens of God's mercy. Through the cross, Jesus gave us the opportunity to come into the harbor. His invitation of repentance. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So I want you to know today that this kingdom of heaven that Jesus is talking about, listen to me, it is the kingdom of Jesus, the Savior. That is the kingdom of God. That's God's way. The kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of Jesus, the Savior. Matthew 4, 17, again, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, Jesus rules and Jesus reigns so that no one perishes. In the Greek, the kingdom of heaven is described as the dominion and rulership of Jesus Christ. It's his eternal, his all-powerful and undefeatable kingdom that's ever-present and will not pass away. See, if Jesus is connecting his sovereignty with his kingdom by crying out to his people to repent, doesn't it seem more likely that Jesus is crying out from a heart of mercy and not a heart of condemnation? Is it possible that he's crying out in order to provide a second chance rather than to decry our failures and eternally embarrass us and send us to an eternal suffering away from him? From this verse, we're seeing that mercy's voice is screaming, repent, I want you. You're valuable to me. You're significant to my plan. I don't want you to perish for your sins. Repent. Sounds like good news to me. It sounds like grace to me. It sounds like the gospel to me. So let me challenge you today. When you hear a preaching crying out, repent, don't view it as simply judgment. Don't view it as condemnation. Don't view it as law and works. View it as grace and mercy, a second chance, maybe a third or a fourth chance or a hundredth chance in my case, an opportunity to grow closer into God's kingdom and his purpose for your life. I want us to look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Precious, precious portion of scripture. Look at this with me. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
John 3.17, it continues this thought. It says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. See, the kingdom of heaven. Heaven depicts God's habitation. It's where he is. And it's a place of wholeness and a place of perfection. So this depicts our inheritance. This world is not our home, but it's the place where our eternal home is decided upon. So how will anyone make the correct decision about God unless the inheritance is divulged? What is it that I get? What is it that God is providing for me? You see, the kingdom of heaven is the place we receive presently in our souls. The kingdom of God is within you, remember what the scripture says. And it's the place where we will move to be at our death. It's contained in a beautiful word called salvation. And it's from the Greek word soteria, which means delivered, preserved, brought to safety, and for today and for eternity. And I'm telling you, my friend, this is good news. That's mercy's voice. You see, as we look at Matthew 4.17, again, there's a real important part of all of this. And we looked at it a few minutes ago, but now that you've heard the fullness of the realm of what Jesus is crying out to us in his voice of mercy, let's read it again and look at the final component of this verse. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At hand. That word at hand, it means that it's close. It depicts proximity. And I love this. It depicts accessibility. It means we can acquire it. Proximity means you don't have to run far to get it. Remember, repentance means a change of direction. It means that you turned around. It changed your mind. You believed correctly. You asked for forgiveness. You received forgiveness. And then you don't go back. When you turn around, bam, there's the kingdom of heaven right there. There's Jesus. There's forgiveness. There's a fresh start. There's mercy. And then I love this second part of it. It also distinguishes accessibility. And I like this. Accessibility, it means that you don't have to work hard to earn it. In fact, we receive it by faith. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says that the gift of God is not by works, lest any man should boast. It's through faith. We believe it because God has given it as a gift, so we receive it. Just like you received that gift on Christmas morning, you have to choose to open it or not, but it is free. You have accessibility to the kingdom of heaven. 1 John 1.9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Again, it says in Ephesians 2. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So I want to tell you today, it's important for us to recognize that we don't deserve God's mercy. But as God's ambassadors here on earth, we are also not to restrict his mercy from others by only declaring God's judgment. Yes, there will be a judgment. Yes, there is a standard. And we desperately need his mercy because if we deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy at all. Today, if you don't know where you stand with Jesus, I want you to know that the good news is is that you can repent. You can change directions. You can ask for forgiveness. He will forgive you. And then you turn your life to him 
and believe on him with your whole heart. Let your life be transformed into the image of Christ. And you can do that right now. You can start this journey right now. If you've been following God, but maybe you've gotten off track, or maybe you recognize that you've gotten into the land of one end or the other, and you haven't allowed mercy's voice to declare God's good news and his standard at the same time, it's not too late to repent and to start over and to ask God to give you ears to hear the voice of mercy that is screaming from the heart of your Savior, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so I want to pray with both. If you've never come to Christ, let's change that today. I invite you to come to him, and I want to pray with you to receive him. And maybe if you've been far from him, or you've allowed your heart to be hardened to the message of mercy, I want you to allow God through his Holy Spirit to also change you. So Lord, right now in your precious presence, in the midst of this teaching, I ask you, Lord, to touch every person who's listening. If there's someone who's listening that does not know you, I pray, God, that they would turn their heart to you right now. And if that is you, just pray this with me. Lord, I believe you love me. I thank you for mercy's voice that cried out for me and I receive it. I ask you to forgive me and I repent. I turn from my sin and I turn towards you to live my life for you. I live for you. And maybe today you're one that has allowed yourself to become hardened to the good news. You want people to know Jesus, but you want them to know Jesus through judgment or you avoid the standard so much so that you're way off on the other side. I want to encourage you to come back to the middle, justice, righteousness, grace, and mercy all operating together. So Lord, I pray for my friend right now that you would cause them to come back to the centerpiece of all creation, which is Jesus Christ, in your justice, in your judgment, but also in your mercy and in your grace, so that we can, just like you did, Jesus, proclaim to the world, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is accessible and it's near. So God bless each person that's listening today. I pray their week would be filled with the mercy of Jesus, that not only would they receive it, but they would give it. And I pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friend, if you prayed that with me, I just want to say thank you. I want to welcome you to the kingdom of God if you've just come to Jesus. And I want to encourage you, if you know this message needs to go to somebody's heart that might be transformed by the mercy of Jesus that is proclaimed, I'd like to ask you to share it with somebody. Text it to somebody or invite someone to check out the podcast app so they can listen to. And maybe, just maybe, they would come to know the mercy of Jesus that you and I have. I love you, friend. Can't wait to talk to you again. Have a great, blessed, mercy-filled week. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Join us next time for another deep dive into the foundation stones of our faith in Jesus Christ. For more information about Refuge City Church or to join our giving team to keep the gospel of Jesus Christ moving forward and making resources like this podcast available into the future, visit refugecity.church.